Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Amen. You know, church isn't a place where we should be all solemn and miserable. But it, it, it hits me sometimes when I come, no disrespect, when I come to the Western world again and I go to a church, not like this, by the way, and I'll prove this to you in a moment. Thanks, Al. I loved your dance part last night, by the way. And the change of lyrics, I'm glad you closed on today, my man. <laughs> That's a blessing of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. No, you're a great guy. Close the curtains, turn the lights off, and throw a strobe light on, turn the smoke machine on. That's not the house of God. No disrespect to churches that do that or houses that do that. I don't understand it. Because from what I understand of the word of God, church, just do me a favour for the moment, humour me, look at the person next to you, physically do that. Some of you are laughing, what did she do? <laughs> That's church. I want to see you. I want to see you. You guys wrecked me. Amen, brother. You guys wrecked me this morning in that prayer room. Amen. I see you, my little man. Just such a blessed family here. I'm assuming it's family. Blessed family. I love it. But what you said in the back room, in the prayer room this morning, I know Douglas, you were there. You prophesied. And you spoke what God spoke to you. But I want to be able to see your face when I open my eyes. And get that confirmation from God. Yes, there's power in what you're sharing from Him. I want to know when I'm in church that I've got people alongside me, true armour bearers, who while the service is going on, they're interceding for what the enemy's trying to pull away. I want to know that when I come to the house of God, it doesn't matter whether I come under four banana leaves in Uganda, my first place I ever preached, or here, where it's a beautiful facility, I want to know that I'm walking on holy ground because the Lord went before me. And that's what we've got here today. So... <laughs> I laugh because two days ago, I wrote, not two days ago, a little while ago when you asked me about the West message, I knew what I was going to preach about and I love how God does this to me all the time, Father. I wrote this, if I don't say so myself, an awesome message about faith because what does a missionary who gave everything away with my wife talk about? Faith, <laughs> right? Tell me how easy it is to sell your home, your investment properties, your car and relocate 9,000 kilometres away to a place that doesn't speak the same language as you. Everyone looks different, Right? Culture, food, everything is different. It takes a crazy person, I raise my hand, and a faithful person, person my wife raises her hand, bring that together, that's what it takes. I'm qualified to speak about faith. No, from a pride point of view, I'm qualified to speak about faith. So I thought I'll come and I'll share with you guys about faith. What does it take for Aussie Aid and for C3 Shell Harbour and for you individuals and your businesses to go to that next level in God? Faith in action, love in action. Stop for the one in front of you. I've got that nailed. And the six pages that I wrote, it's perfect. And the scriptures I, I pulled from the scriptures, perfect. Even the translations, I went deep. King James Version. Right? I even did some research around Greek for a couple of words I didn't understand. Believe it or not, us pastors don't know everything. So please stop assuming that we do. We're lost as well. I'm speaking for myself, by the way. <laughs> and then two days ago, I was sitting in my beautiful friend's child's room because they got Charlotte out of the room so I could stay in that room, which is an amazing sacrifice. Thank you so much for disrupting your house so I could be here, guys. And I was sitting there and I was looking around at the pink doona 
I hope, oh, I kind of, if I was colourblind, it would have been very masculine. And I was looking around at all the other things in the room. And I was like, wow. And their daughter, um, Willow, in the room next door. I'm like, wow, you trust me in your home with your two girls at the other side of the house. How does that happen? That's not just Jesus. That's relationship. And then God was like, relationships. That's what you're speaking on today. Relationships in the church. So I've only got a few minutes with you, and I know that. I'm not going to keep you guys here. And there's McDonald's or KFC up the road and all those types of things. But I want you to focus this morning on this. And before I do that, I want to just pray again that God will use this word for us as his church, as his people. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for bringing us together. There's air in our lungs. We're able to get up and breathe. There's a heartbeat in our chest, which means that blood is circulating. So all of us who are here today, it's a miracle. You remembered us. You woke us this morning. You didn't stop when we did. And here we are right now in your house. So as I share the word, Lord, may it come from you and only you. And may it penetrate our hearts in a way that leads to the change that you require. Starting with me here, Lord, as a vessel with cracks that you have mended. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So I'm going to share with you this morning about two scriptures. And I know we're Pentecostal. I'm not going to share seven points this morning. I'm just going to share two scriptures with you. I don't make apologies for this. I'm going to read you a bit of a longer scripture because I'd rather you hear the word of God rather than myself. And I say that all the time. So just let's jump into that straight away. The first scripture is Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. And it's in the New King James Version, I think. Thanks, Mike. It says here at the top there, girl restored to a life and a woman healed. Verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. 23, and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Just think about that for the moment, those of you who have children. My little daughter lies at the point of death. It's a very real statement for Christine and myself and our team. Very real. I don't know if Annie and Victor, it's a very real statement for you guys. It's a different world out there. It really, really is. Come. And lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman, verse 25, had a flow of blood for 12 years, and and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. She had spent all that she had and she was no better. But rather, she grew worse. Again, a very real word for us in that nation is that we are in where witch doctors are involved and all money and support and resource go to them. People get well for a second and then they get worse and they can't understand why. Happens in Australia too. When she heard about Jesus, she heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Everyone grab a part of your clothes right now. Okay. There's no power in that. If only I can touch his clothes, 
I shall be made well. 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, go to the disciples, always making mistakes like we do. You see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. The whole truth. Not a part of it. Here's the whole truth, my Lord. Here's the whole truth, Jesus. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the rule rule of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I'm here to tell you today, trouble Jesus all you like. He hasn't forgotten you. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother James. John, the brother of James. I'm not going to preach every scripture here or every line, but I want to say to you, be careful who you take into sacrificial Moments. Then he came to the house of the rule of the synagogue and saw atonement and those who, were, who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all aside, outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to, and said to her, Talithakum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her so given her to eat. I'm so grateful that someone did share that and it's in the Gospels, three of the Gospels because that has given me so much life. Here's a few things I want to pull out of that for you in the time that we have. It's no coincidence here that we're talking about two individuals, two human beings, not in the confused world that we are right now. Okay, it's a dangerous world right now, our family. We need to stand together united, not to criticise Not to call out and shame, but to welcome and love in action all those who don't have an understanding of the Lord. But it's no coincidence right now that these two female human beings in that time were both unclean. Unclean. You need to understand, those of you who have done research, you know this. Unclean means you can't do anything out like this in church or the synagogue or or the streets. Bleeding. Unclean. Death. Unclean. And Jesus says, I don't care. I will be in public where people are pulling around and trying to get to me and I will allow the one, the most, the unclean one that should ring a bell and shouldn't be here to touch my clothes and be fully restored and fully healed. And then there's this young girl who's dead. Unclean. Don't touch her. Leave her in there and bury her and go through the rituals. No, I will walk in with those closest to me and the mother and the father. Honour your mother and your father. I will bring them with me and I will tell her, Talithakum, rise. 
Two of them. And what did he call them? Unclean, unwanted? No. Daughter. Daughter. 12 years hemorrhaging, 12 years bleeding, and 12 years of age. 12 years hemorrhaging for one and 12 years of age for the other. God's in the detail, family. Have a look in your life before you criticise or before you jump out and try and go, oh, if only, if only, God, 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 but God. Hang on, have a look at the details in your life right now. Is this your young one? What's your name again, sorry? What's what's that? Zach. Those of you who have got kids, let me tell you as someone who gave that dream up, that's the blessing right there. Hold on to them. And when they don't allow you to hold on to them physically, allow the foundation of the spiritual hug to continue on with them as they navigate this world. God's in the detail. And those of you who don't have children, it may be a dream of yours. Don't let go of that. Hold on to that. Because God knows the desires of your heart. Trust him. I was going to say me. Don't trust me. Trust him. Twelve years. Both of them. Daughter. When they didn't warrant it in that community. Both of them. Heard of Jesus. The woman had only heard of Jesus. Jesus, guys in the town. Heard. Do you know what? If I just allowed the fact that I knew who he was to dictate what I do in my life, and the ministry that we've been called to run, I think we'd be in a whole new level. whole new level. I want to know what the Scripture means. I want to know what Jesus means when he says this. I want to know what the pastor means when they say that. I want to know what this guy over here who, who just has so much more theology means and how he got to that place. No, she'd heard the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you today. How many of you here, show me by show of hands, actually physically put your hand up, if you've heard the name of Jesus. There is not one person in here that hasn't heard it. Grab onto his cloak. And if anything's dead in your life, Talitha Kum, it raises in the name of Jesus. This is not fiction. This is not fiction. And I think what happens in the West is we get caught up in this Medicare. (laughs) Right? Great thing. Blessing. Don't need the rest. Got Medicare, private health insurance, government support, NDIs, all these great things. I'm not mocking them. But when you don't have any of that and people come to you and say, Papa or Mama for Christine, please help us. My child's got cancer and is in the hospital. And then we go and we see a football-sized tumour on a head or a leg or a stomach and in our moment of time, in that I'm so sorry, there's a child here. Um, in our moment of, of, of doing so, we realise that I can't do nothing with this. What am I going to do? Lay hands, realise this is actually achievable and declare what Jesus declares. Healing. He gave us this. He sent us the helper. He knew on the cross that the man to his right, the criminal, the thief, the one that was up there for murder, the same as Jesus up on a cross dying, he knew that that man was going to paradise in that moment, right? But what else he knew was this. He knew that we aren't going straight to paradise necessarily. We're living in this fallen world. I'll send you a helper. Do you think the man on the cross got a helper? I don't think so. It doesn't say that. It just says, Jesus said, I will see you in paradise. He's told us this. 
But he sent us the helper. Family, the church needs to stand up. The church being you and I need to stand up, take that help and use it to do what he's called us to do. Share the love of Christ using the helper. We don't have to understand it all. I love, and I want to honour you as well, Pastor Douglas, my brother here. Interestingly enough, on the first ever Africa trip we went to, I was his leader, ironically. And then when we went to Africa, he was my pastor. And here we now are on a board of House of Hope Africa sharing God's gospel together. God knows what he's doing. But one thing he said to Craig and myself this morning on the way into church, we're talking about a few things. He said, we don't have to understand it all. I was trying to get up here this morning and go, it's okay, try and weave in the faith talk because that message was great. No, no, no. I don't have to understand it. Just spread, just share what God said to do. When he gives you the prophecy and you did the prophecy this morning, oh my goodness, we're taking that. And I don't know where Raylene, I can't see. Raylene, are you here? She's there. Yeah, and the prophecy, even when we don't understand it, when you know it comes from people you've got relationship and trust with in the house of God, take that. Take that. Not as gospel, take it to the Lord and utilise what he puts there with the helper. Amen? These two individuals, they knew, they knew one was dead and one was bleeding. There was no hope. But he says, no, daughter, daughter. He's calling you by name this morning. The woman shared the whole truth with Jesus. I don't mean to be all serious this morning, but it's a pretty serious time. We've all got things in our hearts. We've all got behaviours that we've actually brought on from our parents, from our grandparents, from great-grandparents before us. I used to think, this might cause a bit of um, uh, debate, but I used to think personally that salvation happens. I'm saved. Praise Jesus. Eternity with him. Awesome. Love that. Let's go for that. That's, that's the goal. And when that happens, new creation in Christ. Woohoo! I needed that. Not new hair, but new creation in Christ. Right? And then I realized that, hang on, if I'm a new creation, why are all these old behaviors still happening? Why am I still going to the casino and I can't drive out of that driveway for two years after being saved? Why am I still selling things that I shouldn't be selling? Use your imagination that I'm still doing that. Yeah, oh, bad question. You can have all the opinions you like. I'm just being honest. And the reality is this. It's a work in progress. Do you know there are things that happened generations before you called generational iniquities that are actually attached to your life now? And I don't have the time to go through all of that. But let me tell you this. I was invited to sit with two elderly ladies in Perth for a prayer around certain things that some, one of my closest friends had seen in me and I didn't want to admit to. It's just last year. I went there thinking I was going to be there for about 45 minutes to an hour. I sat in there with them for six and a half hours in prayer. And man, we did some work. They showed me things that God showed them. Never met them before. And they were so accurate. God was in the detail. And we did work. And then my wife saw a change. And she's like, oh, maybe I need to go myself. And I'm like, yeah, you do. (laughs) Both legs. She's not here, I can say it. Her radar will be going off right now. She went. It's not ironic or coincidental. When she went, she was in there for them for six and a half hours too. And they told us, we don't, that doesn't happen. We dealt with some things from generationally ago that we had no idea about. And as the first Christians in our family, we need to understand, when you're born again, it's a constant renewal of your mind 
but you've got to do business with God. And how do you do that if he brings family together and the lonely together? You do that together as church, with relationship. With relationship. I want to go to our last scripture. Revelations 12, getting really serious now. Revelations 12, 7 to 12. It's the message version. War broke out in heaven. Michael, not me, Michael and his angels fought the dragon. I want to pause there for a moment and say that again. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but were no match for him, Michael, the archangel. They were defeated out of, sorry, they were cleared out of heaven, not a sign of them left. The great, ja- the great dragon, ancient serpent, the one called devil and Satan, the one who led the whole earth astray, thrown out, and all his angels thrown out with him, thrown down to earth. Then I heard a strong voice out of heaven saying, Salvation and power established. Established. Okay? Not being created. Established. The accuser of our brothers and sisters thrown out who accused them day and night before God. The accuser of the brethren. The enemy is the deceiver of the brethren family. What does that mean? He's going to use things in your life from your past, from your current situation, jealousy, and I look over this way and I look over that way in the church and use those things to try and separate you from the call of God on the house of God. Pause for a moment. That's not our house. Yes, it is. Do you know why I know it's yours? Or how I know it's yours, pastors? Last night. Last night. In what world do organisations say, we're going to raise money for our community, but we're going to get most of it away to people we don't even know? In what world? In this world. In the house of God. When God speaks and relationships are forged. I know these guys because of God first. But the reason why I know them is because my family here, Craig and Mel, they actually spoke to them and planted a seed years ago about the work of God in House of Hope Africa. And from that seed, these guys went away. And I'm so grateful you did this. You went away and you prayed for over 12 months, not knowing what our needs were. And then God said, this is the time to bring House of Hope in. Now, I don't know the story about Victor and Annie, but I'm sure it's along the same lines around God spoke. We come in. I can tell you right now, last night, an amazing night. Great first event. Well done to all of you. I echo what you were saying earlier. But let me tell you this. I'm not speaking this over the house of God. I'm speaking this into our church family. From last night moving forward, don't be surprised. I know I'm touching on sort of some territory here. Don't be surprised if the enemy tries to plant little seeds. Okay, because when you start dealing with finance, thank you, thank you for what somebody shared. Sorry, it's Phil, right? Yeah. Phil broke me in, in the back prayer room. I said that before. My fingernails are cut down in the spiritual because of what I've been clawing onto. So thank you so much for listening to God. When God starts to use finance for His good, remember it's a loan unto Him, especially in poverty. Poverty, go to the scriptures. When He starts to do that, don't be surprised the attack that comes on you. That's why I called you up for prayer first thing this morning. <laughs> a long line of people here, covered by a hedge of protection around them at the altar of God. Nothing more beautiful. Okay, I know I digress. But please, support each other. Cover and protect what God's given you to do and do it unto him. Not for our glory, for his. But the enemy knows. His days are numbered. So the enemy, the deceiver of the brethren, they defeated him through the blood of the Lamb, 
and the blood and the bold word of their witness. Oh, you want to know how to defeat the enemy? Who, who, who's saved here? Who's, who's, who's received salvation? Blood of the Lamb. And, and the bold word of their witness. Let's start talking about him. Let's start talking by doing. It's so easy to criticise and to call out other minority groups. Don't be those Christians. Christ-like. 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 Can I invite the guys up again? They weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. They were willing to die for Christ. So rejoice, O heavens, and all who live there. That's us. But, don't, but doom to earth and sea. For the devil's come down on you with both feet. He's had a great fall. He's wild and raging with anger. He hasn't much time and he knows it. Who here's been to university? Who's been to university? Not me. I'm like, great. All of you have been there. You know when those assessments are due, those assignments are due? You don't have much time? You start scurrying. Late nights, all those things. He's the scurrier right now. And his assignment is to take us out. But who declares and who agrees with me? He's not taking us out. It's not his time. His time is done. He had the opportunity to be the lead worshipper. That's why these guys, you must pray for your worship team. Whatever's going on from this pulpit here on the altar in worship, we've got to receive that because that's what he's after. If we can stop worship, if he can get us to stop worshipping God, the Lord of Lords, the name above all names, the way, the truth and the life. If he can take you out of the way, give you lies and give you opposite of life with its death, he's going to do that. He's going to do that because his time is up. His time is up. Relationships. Relationships are hard. They're challenging. Often what will happen is opinions will get in the way. Judgments and criticism will get in the way. But he showed us this. Where there's death in your life, where there's bleeding or cuts or harm or hurt in your life, where there's bad decisions, amen, over here, I, I testify to that, in your life. He's going to call you daughter, son, talithakum, raise, get up, be alive. I haven't died for nothing in vain. And all the stuff that we do, I didn't realise, but all the stuff that we do and you guys do and what you guys all do, all the stuff, keep doing it. But do it together with him in the centre. Because if we don't do that, you don't have to put chairs out. Don't put chairs out. Don't hire a hall. Don't buy a hall, whatever. Don't, don't do any of that. Just stay home, jump on social media, watch a 20-minute podcast. And that can be your church for the day. But you see this. Sorry, Tara, I can't grab you. Just stand up for a second. And you see this. I'm going I'm to do it, guys, sorry. And you see this. Is that okay? Come forward. And you see this? This, is, this isn't a display just for, you know, humour, by the way. Come forward. John, is it? Come forward. Victor, Andy, can you come forward as well? I know, Victor, you hate being at the front, but just come forward. And you, and you see this? Right. And you see this? Oh, man, you're making my job hard today. Emily, can you come forward as well? I haven't chosen people. It's just a demonstration. You see this? And they're already doing it. I love it. I don't have to do nothing. Link arms together. Link arms together. Poor oh, man. Just, um, just link arms, right? I'm taking you my direction because I'm the enemy, right? I've got no chance. 
No chance. Because you guys are strong in the church. And it doesn't matter where you meet and where you congregate or what you decide to do. It matters what you do together. This isn't a catch cry from me, but I see it the world over. We're in a desperate situation. And my plea and House of Hope's plea is this. Talithakum, rise up and do something together. And when division comes, my pastor from Perth, I rang him and we had some prayer the other morning. Please stay here for a moment. And I said to him, oh, I'm feeling this change. And he prayed for me on the phone. He said this. And give credit where credit's due, by the way. I didn't say this. He said this. God showed him that, not me. I was a receiver. And I want you to be a receiver as well, church. He said this. You know when Christ sat at the Last Supper and he lifted up, lifted up communion and bread and he broke that? You can look at that and go, oh, yeah, separation, division. But what did he do with that? When he sat on the mountain and he broke the bread, separated the ingredients, division, separation. No, no, multiplication. Guys, go out and multiply. Go out and multiply. Don't make it about this building. Not that you are. But be on guard. Your relationships together... Your relationships together is what he's craving. He's coming. He's coming. Guys, I get you to sit down. Thank you. Just want to bow our heads for a moment. I'm at that point where <laughs> this might sound really rude. I don't care. And my pastor said to me, maybe you should say carefree, Michael. I said, no, I don't care. And the reason why I don't care is because, if I can be honest with you, I've had to do some pretty horrible things. I understand trauma at a whole new level now. I understand life at a whole new level now. I feel blessed to have been involved in what I've been involved. I don't know how long that's going to happen for until the Lord brings me home, I suppose. I never, I never asked for this. And here's the news for you. Most of you didn't ask where you're at. I don't know if you always wanted to be a pastor, Tyron, Jason. I have no idea. I never know. I don't know what you do feel. I don't know if Victor and Annie chose to go to India. I have no idea. I didn't ask for this. So I'm sure there are people here in their life right now that are doing something you're doing for the Lord, but you didn't ask for. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And if you're in a season right now where... You're just like, God, what am I doing? (laughs) And why am I doing it? I know you're in it. I just want to pray a peace over you. See, the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is peace. And I know myself, when I've gone into situations in Africa, in the Philippines, wherever I've been, the only time I can go in there and know wholeheartedly that I'm going to be okay in that and so is the person with me, is when that peace comes over us. So I just pray that wave of peace over you right now, that real deep peace of the Holy Spirit. And I pray you receive that from him. And while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, it's something we do in churches around the world. We call this the sinner's prayer, the salvation prayer, the prayer of exchange, a whole bunch of different terminology for it. Essentially what happens is this. You get to a place in your life where you acknowledge, you know what, I'm where I'm at but I know I shouldn't be here. There's more for me. And I want to tell you this. Jesus 
has got everything that he promised ready for you. Sometimes it's just a heart exchange. So in this moment right now, if you've never invited Jesus to be in your life, I want to remind you that through the hustle and bustle where that woman was walking through the streets bleeding for 12 years, he stopped for her. He stopped for her. He considered her life and he's considering your life. He knows you by name. So in this moment right now, with your heads, your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I don't want this to be a ritualistic thing. I really want you to seek your heart right now. Maybe you've actually come to the Lord. And like me, there's been moments where you've actually walked away and you're really doing life on your own.